ladies and gentlemen, please join me right now and welcome to the stage our apostle, Apostle Brian Tomagee. Okay. All right. That's one. That's a great group. There's room for improvement, but <laughs> aren't they awesome? They deserve a great hand. Amen. I, I, no, no harm done by this next statement, but I, I, when I first went to church way back there, music was shocking. <laughs> it just was. It was, you know, some of you are so spoiled today. I mean, this is, I mean, even if you came and you're a visitor, if you didn't like anything else of our services, you've got to love the music. It's a good Sunday morning stuff. Come on. That's great stuff. I don't see why there should be an empty seat in this building on a Sunday morning. If there are people having trouble with depression, they're having trouble with suicidal thoughts or kids that are just bored on a Sunday, why would you not bring them down here and say, let's go somewhere where we can jive and dance and sing and get some very happy lyrics rather than always about, you know, other stuff in the world songs. Here's some lyrics. Those are some lyrics. That's a cool song. Let the Holy Ghost flow. That's, you know, you know. And as good as you are, I'm better. Hey, come on, let's, let's give them a great hand. And <laughs> I have to look after myself too. You guys are so good. You're, you're making me having to do better and better. So that's the only reason I've got to do great today, okay? Because that was so awesome. All right, thank you so very much, team. Love you. I'm looking forward to the conference, are you? I mean, that's something. Caleb, that's beautiful. You're doing a great job. Man. Okay, I got the right man in the right place. Doing the right things. And as for you all, you got every reason to be in this church today. This has got to be the best church. The best church I know, at least I know. I'm gonna, this is my opinion. Uh, for me, this is the best church in New Zealand. And it must be in the world because everybody else in the world is still asleep. <laughs> Oh, amen. Even Ozzy's three hours behind me. You've got to be quick like Bruce Lee. Okay, let's get into God. Let's let God get into us. I got something for you today. Have a seat. Oh, we will win. Somebody say, we will win. We're not here to lose. Paul, I remember in Corinthians said, make sure that when you are fighting, that you, you fight, not shadow boxing, but with substance. You're not here to come second. I am. I don't want to be second. I don't know of any athlete that trains to be third, second even. You go for gold, go for first. <clears throat> All right. Today I'm back in the Word of God. Of, I'm still in Joshua. Joshua, Yeshua, which is the name of Jesus. Yeshua, Joshua, that's the same thing, right? Just in Hebrew, but it would have been Jesus in English. Joshua was the protege of the great Moses, right? Moses in his time was like famous. He was the man. Moses opens the Red Sea with a stick in his hand and he parts it. 
and puts a separation between God's people and every other enemy. In fact, he gives them a, a swimming lesson that they fail in and they drown. That's the Egyptians trying to track down, run, run down everybody that wants to connect themselves to God. You've got to watch out today because if you start making a lot of noise about you following God, there are going to be some enemies that try and run you down. Okay? Today, I am talking specifically about now. If anybody wants to know what God is doing, I know. Now, what I am about to preach today is all about that. So I know what God wants for the next few months. So I'm not up here talking inspiring messages today. I am talking and telling you about what God is doing for the next few months. I can guarantee you in the next two or three years what you should be doing if you want to be in the flow. What he was just saying. What is God doing? If anybody is floundering, flustered, fooling around right now with what you should be doing with your life because you cannot waste another moment of what God gives you on this earth. Tomorrow you could die. And that's a blessing to die actually. But while you're here, you've got something to do. You need to be able to go back to your master, the real home in paradise, to be able to say, I fulfilled the reason why I was born. You're not finished, obviously, because you're still alive and you woke up today breathing. Now, you need to respect the importance that you woke up this morning because God still has something for you to be doing. Right, so you're here to hear today and online out there, what can I be doing so that I'm pleasing God and I'm gonna get all the treats from that? Well, I'm about to let you know. So go to the book of Joshua, chapter three. And I'll be working from verse five. Now, before I read this passage of scripture and you go through it, give me your attention a little bit more. I am sharing the very word that you may, I may have shared with this church. I was, I did not share it initially when I got it, but I wanted something from God to let me know what I should do in this time, in this hour. And that was in around about September 2020, when all of this stuff was going on and many people were trying to catch up. In 2020, none of us realized that our governments in this world will be turning on its own people that we would literally be attacked by our own governments. The citizens of countries would be attacked by those we voted in to serve us, actually turned on us. That's global. So that's interesting because our plans as a church, and I believe every church could probably identify with this, wasn't what God wanted really, uh, sorry, what we were doing previously is not what God wanted but he wanted something totally different for his church to be doing. That's the big problem. He could never have spoken a word that would have led us to something that we needed to go to unless we had a huge disruption. We were too comfortable. We were far too privileged in days of comfort, 
days of much, days of relative freedom, it's very difficult to listen for God's sharp tunes. Only if God's word still fits within my ease. But if you throw me out of my bed, throw me out of my comfort, out of my beach batch, out of my money, you, we're going to have a little bit of a fight about that. Right? Nobody really likes that. It's not, humanly, it's not human nature to accept sudden discomfort or disruption to your order, to your world. Even if you were not doing well, you still at least had freedom. You still at least had the ability to go where you wanted. It was about all to change. And guess what? Nothing happens without God knowing. In other words, he knew the pandemic was coming. In fact, he allowed it to. He was tired of the way that you weren't listening to him. Some people are so hard in their hearts, they'll come through all of this and still will not bother a flick with God. Not even a thought that maybe I should consider God for me and my children, that what we've been through, how we've suffered at the hands of other humans. Would you not look outside of people for something extra? Maybe God is true. Maybe I, I was damaged by religion, but I might need to reinvestigate this whole faith that they are talking about. In, in, verse, in Joshua chapter 3, verse 9, I'm going to flip a bit quick here. Go, just, Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here. That's almost like no, no discussion about it. He says to them, come here. That means to a place. I'm saying to people who have never been to church for a long time, come here. It's time for you to come here. Where? To where God is speaking his words. Come here and hear the word of the Lord your God. That, that's powerful. Joshua is saying to, he's talking to believers, let alone unbelievers. But I believe that's for all people. Come here. It's time to start hearing what you have not considered before. And if you thought that you were hearing me, well, maybe you need to hear a little bit closer, a little bit more differently than you have before. I know I've got a great church that hears. It is. But I'm not that fooled into thinking just because you come to destiny that you're going to be here for every day to hear and to do. In fact, where are you? I'm still here, Apostle. I'm just kind of resting out here, out there. I'm watching you online. It's more comfortable now. You know, the COVID gave me the thing that I could still be at home and sort of have a Sunday rest and kids are all doing all sorts of things and I can just watch you because I still like you, but I just don't want to sit in the building. Oh, this is good. Look, I'm not being, I'm just saying you cannot replace being in the place. I appreciate all my online watches and I've got many. Great. I'm not after about big followings online or on Facebook. They are fickle. They can change. And often their contribution is, 
but then they do. There are reasons why people have to be online. Now, but I'm just saying, look, how much better would it be if you, if you could come here and be live? I, I, like, I like listening to music, but isn't it great and live to hear the musicians and the band itself, to be live somewhere? How would you like to be split up from your kids or on phone calls from another country all the time or wife and husband communicating long distance or through social media? Isn't it better when you're skin on skin? Isn't it better face to face? Isn't it better that you're live, real and living? It's great to know about you, but it's good to meet you. I heard about you through others, but it's great to meet you. I met you and it was so different to what we heard about you. Online, you're not really meeting me. You're not meeting others. So Joshua is saying, come here. It's good. You can argue. It's not my word. It's God and his man. And hear the words of the Lord your God. Oh, I'll just jump a bit. But no, 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 don't go there. Go back to verse five. Thank you, sorry. Come off 10, that's exciting. <laughs> Got to have some. 3 5. Right? Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourself. Sanctification is not my job. Sanctification is your job. <clears throat> I can hear some, what, are you, what does that really mean? Really means this, in its first case, sanctify means set apart, right? It has with that, set, when, they, when God says sanctify yourselves, he says set apart then by doing. <clears throat> so let me just talk about the sanctify. Set apart, that's what it means. So set apart, he is saying, I want you to set yourselves apart from all other people. That's what it means. Doesn't matter what you think of that. It's not excluding. It's not getting into all that wokey stuff. He is saying, there are a people who believe me. Oh, geez, that's good. If you believe God, then you set yourself apart. See, that's joining to what I, connecting to what I said earlier about being here. Being here, you're sending God that you've already started the process a long time ago about sanctifying yourself. So immediately you put yourselves in a unique position with the Father and you, the sons. You actually turning up uh, uh, by default is saying, I'm, I'm sanctifying myself by turning up. No matter how you feel, what you think, you got in that car. You got yourself ready. You turned off the TV. You told the kids and your husband or your wife, I am going to the house of the Lord. Whether you come with me or not is okay. But the moment you did that and walked out the door, you were sanctifying yourself before God. Now I want to tell you, that's got great points scoring with the Father himself. God immediately begins to start working on your behalf, on your way to where you're supposed to be. Monday, come on, that's good stuff. So already automatically God's working for you just because you turned up, because you sanctified by setting yourself apart from others who don't believe so much in God. Do you, do you understand what that is? 
So if you believe God, that's a sign of sancti- being sanctified. I want you to get that. So setting yourself apart, forget about the world's thing about setting apart or exclusive, trying to make yourself somebody. Forget about those demonic voices, right? You never mind opinions of others. That's what's too many people live for other people's opinions. Don't live your life for somebody else. Live it for you. So sanctify set apart when you start to put yourself and identify yourself with those people who believe God and they believe themselves. We believe in one another too, by the way. I believe in you. You, you give me strength and, uh, and power and I give you strength and power. The ones next to you are strengthened. Our synergy is in these seats in this building and across the country right now is the backbone to be able to do things from Monday to Saturday night. You, people underestimate the power of gathering. I don't care what anybody says to you about going to church. Oh, you can have church at home. You can have church over there. Yeah, you can have church anywhere you like. But if you want to identify with God's perspective of who you are, the moment you move from every other place to go to this place, he puts points on it. He puts credits beside your name. Don't, don't worry about anything else. What you've been taught, I'm telling you now, there are points in it. Hannah and I have done this for many years. That's why we have things working for us that we can not possibly get through just praying about, believing about. It is about this. If you sanctify, set yourself apart. You've got to show yourself as different from others. So obviously there's a group of people that God wants to work with and work through. You're it. Give yourself a hand. I'm telling you right now, how about we celebrate yourself, right? Celebrate, have a party, have a little party for you. Come on, let's go. Thank you, God. Go on. Don't be afraid to say, celebrate yours. Let's yourself celebrate you. Oh, you're here. Don't think I'm just, oh, I want to go to church and glorify God. No, no, that's a great thing. Because the enemy will do all sorts of things to stop people from gathering in his name. So that's a good, that's good. That's Number one, set apart. That's what he says very clearly. Sanctify, set apart yourselves. Part of a great team. What I love about this uh, setting aside thing too, by the way, and I wrote it down here. I put there that means I'm good with you, God. It just sort of came in my... Once of my pen flows, I just go. And it came up, I'm good with you, God. I'm good with you. That's awesome. I have no present hang-ups with you. I'm good with you. If I have to shift, I'll shift. If I have to sell up, I'll sell up. If I have to stop this, I'll stop. if I have to do though here, I'm good with you, God. Because that's the supreme place of happiness, is that you're good with God. Open palm stuff. All your possessions, all your money is not in a clenched fist, it's in an open hand. 
You're free to take it. Take my, my studies. Take my future. Take my life. Take anything you want. I hold everything lightly. Because when, when he wants to take something from you, or he requires it, put in nice language, when he just wants to use or share, then there's no restraint. <laughs> just imagine he wants your money and you're holding it, and he goes to take it and you start pulling it back because you can't let it go. Then you're in a little struggle with God and you wonder why everything around you is shaking. Everything is disruptive because you're hanging on too tight to something that he wants to remove from you, you know. So, everything with an open hand. When it's gone, it's almost nothing to me. That's okay. He can give it back to me many times over. So I trust God and yeah. We talk too light about Jesus. Ooh, I'm coming back hard on him soon. It's just a little season, but soon it'll be open talk. You talk open about your demons, I'll talk open about my Jesus. You talk open about your evil, I'll talk open about my good. You talk open about your false God, I'll talk openly about my true God. It's like... No more hiding and skirting and being PR just so you can not be convicted. Right. Here's the second thing. What is it? For tomorrow. <laughs> That's great. Tomorrow. Tomorrow is a very powerful word. Tomorrow means not today. Sorry today about tomorrow. <laughs> in other words, what he's going to go into, don't jump ahead because I'll tell you why. Because what you're about to feast on is not for today, it is for tomorrow. Meaning tomorrow has got better than what you have now. So you don't want it now, you want it tomorrow. Because what you're going to is better and it'll always be bigger than what you have now. The problem with most of you is that you always want something now at the point of crisis, at the point of need, not realizing that God has got it for you tomorrow. Because today you need to understand some things about what you're going to get tomorrow. Tomorrow means it's already set up for you. Tomorrow means God wants you to stay in and plugged in so that you'll continue to stay plugged in without unplugging about now today. So tomorrow means you've got to wait for and means tomorrow gives you hope. Expectation. That's how you eliminate boredom, which is a terrible word. If any kids ever say bored, you've got some problems, parents. You just sit out and quickly talk to them about something of tomorrow that they're going into that's good, that's wonderful, that's exciting, that is involving, that is gripping, that, in, that is something that takes them and pulls them out of the sludge of today and the worries of today and puts them in tomorrow because it always will be better. There's always a tomorrow. Tomorrow is a temporary touch of eternity. 
Tomorrow brings the perfection of eternity into the imperfection of time. Yes, this is good. This is beautiful. I mean, isn't that? It is. Tomorrow means there is, there is always something to go to. I'm going to be a needle in your side today and say to you, you don't ever have to be unhappy again. You don't have to ever feel that it's over. You don't have to ever feel that you failed because tomorrow brings something better, something new, something more powerful. Tomorrow, I'm always going to better, not to less, not to worse. I will be better and bigger and greater tomorrow than I was yesterday or today. It grew. He grew in power and knowledge and wisdom and in the Holy Ghost before God and before men, talking about Jesus of Nazareth. He evolved from an unknown baby. Only the heavens witnessed to his greatness, but soon everybody on the planet would know that this man was a somebody, not just a nobody born. Nobody has ever born a, a, a person that has nothing to go to. You were born for greatness. And your greatness is what other people are experts in being able to immediately downsize you, to smallerize you. Experts in keeping you little and limited. You're fighting the wrong fights when you're trying to fight people and their opinions about your progress, about your growth, about your impending success and your greatness. You are great, if anything, in your own world. Everybody else can think you're not great but they have no business of being in your space trying to dictate to your life about you. You have no business of being in my space or my circle. Where my nose starts, your opinions end. What I say about me and what God has said about me is more important than what you are saying about me, mum, about what you are saying about me, dad, about what you are saying about me, brother, about what you are saying about me, sister, about what you are saying about me, hater, what you are saying about me, unknown, what you are saying about me, cousin, what you are saying about me, Facebook, what you are saying about me, TikTok, what you are saying about me, best friend. You only let your own happiness and your own greatness be decreased when you start entertaining wrong voices. <laughs> I feel great. And the feeling is undeniably Pleasant. 
Now the opposite is toiling with what he said, she said, they said. The feeling is horrible. You choose the feeling that you want. And this is far better feeling that way than this way. Try and make your feelings as much as you possibly can agree with your thinking. Feelings like to try and move outside of any other type of restriction in your life. But the trouble with feelings are always up and down. You're up now and you're down tomorrow and how important is this? Ask all of those hooked on pee, hooked on alcohol, hooked on some form of drugs because they can't stand the downers of life, can't, can't stand and how they feel bad and not feeling good. They want to, the highs are pleasant, it's euphoric. But then the cost is high. It's false. You have to pay money for it. It takes your life away. But on this side, when your feelings are attached to God's thoughts, it's free. It lasts. It makes you better. Energizes your lungs. Energizes your heart. Does well for your liver and your kidney. You live long and well before your time because you go over your time. Your time of expiring, expiring was about this and now you've gone past it and you've added 15 years to your living because God so loves a cheerful heart. I love it. Okay, we even move on. I've got to get out of this introduction. Tomorrow, say tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's going to be better. Never mind fighting a little fight. Get me, you fellas keep me going back because you keep saying things. Never mind the little fights. Trivial arguments with family and trivial arguments with friends and trivial things with workmates. Forget it. That's small stuff. You're bigger than that. Just be at peace with everybody. Go around and say, hey, sorry, bro. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, girl. Sorry, sir. You know, just wipe it all because, I, you, yeah, whatever it takes, but just get out of that and step into something far better. You, you've got to keep yourself untied from other people's burdens. Every person has to carry their own burden. Even my children, I can give them advice, but I refuse to carry your burden, your problems. All burdens do not belong to you. None of them do. All burdens and cares belong to Jesus. He said, cast your cares and your burdens who? Not upon mum and dad, or me, or the, the Pope, bishop, pastor, or your husband or your wife. Cast them what? He said, cast your cares and burdens upon me, for I'm meek and humble and I can handle it because my shoulders are broader than the universe. Why would you be shouldering on your skinny little shoulders? When Jesus' shoulders expand beyond the universe, he says, give your family cares to me, give your little petty arguments to me, give the problems of your boss to me, your workplace, to, you've got an unruly friend or something, cousins are breaking down, every, just, just let it go and throw it to him and say, here, I'm passing this on. Here's the hospital pass, Lord. Don't you worry about it. 
You just worry about making sure you keep in line with God. This is, okay. All right. So he says, one, set yourself apart. We've been there. Two, tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Phew, here we go. This is what he's talking about. Now he's attaching it only to this. So now he's talking wonders. We're in a day of wonders. They're coming right now. It's here. Because we're speaking it, we discovered it. It means now the revelation turns into actual motivation, information, education, and it's the inspiration of everything where you are now. So the day of wonders, we're in the day of wonders. A wonder. A wonder is something that you don't expect. It's an amazingly unusual thing. It's the upset. It's a surprise. Where did that come from? It's different from a miracle and it's different from a sign. Signs, wonders and miracles, the three supernatural bedfellows. But they are used separately sometimes. Sometimes signs is in, but wonders and miracles are not. When miracles are in, wonders and signs don't matter because a miracle just breaks the law, comes through the law of gravity, the law of life, the law of the land and everything else, and a miracle just barges in and happens. <laughs> That's another preach. Signs are good. The signs are all around us. Haven't you been seeing? The signs are evident, and yet some people still live like they are blind. Sometimes signs are needed because people are so blind. Ah, uh, something's wrong. No, just carry on. <laughs> no, you can't. It's something's wrong. We've got to address it. Otherwise, it's like saying you've got problems with the kids and you ignore it and say they'll go away. Guess what? <laughs> problems do not go away. They actually multiply. <laughs> and they have a whole lot of children and after a while, the problems you neglected have now grown into a very large hapu. <laughs> they were a whanau, just a family of problems here. And once upon a time, they were just an individual little problem. But you did not deal with it, so it grew. Then it multiplied. Now there's a whole iwi. <laughs> we use it, it's a whole great big nation of problems because everybody buries their head not in the sand it's called something else it starts with S though <laughs> are you thinking a different word than the S I'm thinking of I'm not thinking of that one you're spelling out <laughs> oh God cleanse their heads not mine. <laughs> okay. So they bury their heads in the sand. <laughs> and they think that nothing's wrong. And these people keep doing the same old, same old thing before the stuff that you bury your head in came. Come on. Right? You just carry on like normal. <laughs> How do we get into such unimaginable restrictions 
And there was only a couple of quarters of, hey, stop this. <laughs> Everybody else just sat there. Everybody else in their house hoping for the best. And then unimaginable control happened. And there was still like a couple of squeaks. This is wrong. Everybody else, most people just said, well, we'll wait it out. Hopefully she'll come right. Then unimaginable intrusion into our lives, unimaginable interference into our very being and our house and our kids and our education and our economy and our jobs and our health. And what does New Zealand do? I think the, I think it'll we'll just get over it and just carry on. Oh wow. Oh wow. What? You know? This is what he's talking about. Wonders. These are things that you just don't pray for or want. We need some wonders. They're outside of our manufacturing abilities. I can't get you a wonder. We can't pray for a wonder. It's something that God himself says, I will bring to you because of this, this, and this, what are you talking about? Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. That means there's things coming that are gonna surprise everybody. Where did that come from? How did that happen? It's already happened. It's already beginning to happen. But the wonders is now. That's the season we're in. If you hook into what he's doing. So let's carry on to verse. You like that, wonders? Let's just say, let's just say, Lord, I need a wonder. I, I, I wonders are coming for me tomorrow. Tomorrow, wonders are coming into my life. Because I'm a part of the people that you have set aside. So I am looking out for wonders. Say wonders. Wonders. Who's that wonder woman? Wonders just follow me. Signs, wonders, and what's after wonders? We've had the signs. We're in the day of wonders now. What is he talking about? Um, signs, wonders, and I can't hear you. Miracles. Ooh, that might be for the conference. Signs we've had. We're in the day of wonders. So watch out. Some people are coming through. Some, some groups are going to come through and surprise. Wonders mean, whoa, where'd that come from? I'm governing my mouth at the moment. Oh, I want to apply that to so many things. It's not my place. But wonders will happen. Okay, then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over before the people. That's what I'm doing. It is my responsibility to go before you. If you're having trouble and saying, Brian Tamaki is just leading the narrative, I'm supposed to. It says here, then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, go last. Try a few guinea pigs out. Experiment with a few of the parishioners. 
Put them out in front there, let them get crushed. See how it goes. Or let them win and then you come and take over. Huh? If you're a leader, you've got to lead. That means the leaders should be leading their people. That good priests, good leaders should be out front speaking what God is saying. Not hiding in amongst them or, or hindering them. He said, take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross before the people. I, I was supposed to stand first. How did this all happen? I am actually speaking the Joshua scriptures that God gave me before we stood in the protest. I was praying about this, thinking about it, and in my mind it came as huge as a great big billboard. And I knew the scriptures, see? Sometimes you've got to have knowledge of the scriptures so the Holy Spirit's got something to work with you. Otherwise, he can use other means. But to this, he says, he says, sanctify the people. I knew the rest for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. And I ran to the Bible and I looked at it and I said, oh, right, we're in. I was so happy, you know, about this. But it was actually an interesting word that God said. He said, yes, it is that. Sanctify them, set them apart. You prepare them for tomorrow. I will do wonders. Oh man, I was so happy. And I went to close it and walked away even. He said, no, come back. That's not the one I want you to really see. It's the next one. So bring him up. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all the nation that you may know and that they may know as I was with the former greats how I was with the former great, so I shall be with you. Now the original word, that's the, the original word in the King James Version, isn't exalt, it's magnify. It's magnify. And I, I, mean, I, I looked at this and I thought, wow, I'm, I'm gonna sort of t switch over here. King James magnify is the word, it means, it means to make greater, Get this, this is what it means in the Hebrew. It means to make greater in size and power and rank. Now, before I get there, there was one word that it was first before the other words. It was to aggrandize. Aggrandize is an English word, but it had the same meaning as grand. <laughs> this stuff can really make you, yeah, so this day I will be, begin to exalt you. That's what I saw, and I come back to him, and he, he said, that's what I want you to see. That for you and this people, I'm gonna make you greater in size, power, and rank. In other words, he says, in magnifying you, I'm gonna take what the devil used to slur. Where the devil used to soil and and stain the reputation. That's the opposite to grand, but the opposite to magnify is to be little. Degrade. I looked at all and I thought, man, this is, this is already happening, it's great. But it, it, you see, so how much degrading has this church been through? I'm just gonna talk open. This is housekeeping now. I'm gonna tell you, you all know, nobody needs to know that they mention destiny now to scare people. And yet, the church values itself on attracting people. 
So even other churches say, oh, destiny's not right because everybody uses it as a, as a swear word, yeah. as a detractant, that you run from it, that it has certain connotations with it. Well, how do you get a church that is the most active socially, helping the poor, which Jesus said do, help the poor and the do best, and with our programs and what we've done, I mean, we're not drug dealers. We're not alcoholics. We're not violent people. If we go through all our records, this would equal a, a, a great church. It is a, a standout church. If you uplifted us all over from this country, took our members and plonked us in England, in Africa, in South America, in the USA, people would be crowding to it. They'd be going like, man, look at these people. They're alive. And my gosh, the music and the songs and all the preaching to die for. And they help each other. They love each other. And they're sincere. What a church. Where have you been hiding? Oh, in a little dump called New Zealand. They don't know what they've got. But then they say, didn't that happen to Jesus? He came under his own, his own received them not. They rejected him. They spat at him. They hated him. They murdered him. You fellas are cool. If you're getting that sort of slag, then you're in the right place. But it's hard when you're living amongst people with all sorts of opinions and are stray and you've got friends at you, you've got family members at you, even the husband's at you, wife, or the wife at the husband. If you go to church, one goes to church. Friends at work slag you because of destiny, because of that that guy that you have, you follow, that Brian Tamaki. He takes your money, doesn't he? He's got all this wealth and this big mansion he lives in, doesn't he? He's the guy that's prophesied this, 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 and this. It's incredible how you do so many things that everybody wants to acknowledge in the Bible, and yet when you even attempt to walk in it or do it, everybody takes you down for it. I'm not just talking about ignorant unbelievers and satanically driven dum-dums. I'm talking about Christians too, so-called, and religion is probably worse sometimes. This is the reality. And so when you've lived this long like I have and doing this, I've realized some things about what God is doing. I would have never stepped out in the protest in 20 October the 2nd was an accumulation of these verses that I'd read. Then I needed, I needed an immediate rhema, revelation on what he was saying. So I even got it wrong when I had it right with words. Because God said, I want you to go out. That's the thing. The word that got me, what connected me was this verse. This is the reason why we, where we are today and what we've been through. So when he said, I'll exalt you, a little bit of ego got in there and thought, yeah, about time. It wasn't bad ego. It was like, it's about time we had respite and this church got some of the, the accolades that it should get. But that's not right even either. I wasn't even right about it. And I'll tell you why. When I went out, the part I loved was sanctify the people and I'll do wonders among them. And then he said, no, no, that's the verse there, that one. I will magnify you. 
you and this people will be magnified in this nation and they will see as I have been with others in the past they'll see you I have you I am with you so you are with us <laughs> right so I thought wow so that was my motivation and the drive to start the protest movement was built on that the protest movement the freedom and rights coalition was built on these Joshua verses we would never be there today we are never have stepped out we've never started the protest and so many things came out of that not just protesting about the freedom and rights but people met other people apparently some people got married and found their partners apparently a lot of people made new friends most of all we stood when it mattered but when I went out there the first second of October remember this I will exalt you I knew what that was without looking for the interpretation so on the first day when it happened and I saw not 300 as I said to the police when they asked me and I didn't know the number we're a level four which was dangerous to them it's just another day to me level four and the whole of Auckland was surrounded by um, lockdown fences and gates that you couldn't travel remember it was a prison Auckland was on tenterhooks. Most of the 1.3 million Aucklanders are saying, nobody move. That was the feeling. That was the voice. Because if you upset Jacinda, so now they're cowering. They're cowering to the monster. Otherwise, she'll put some more days on our lockdowns. Can you believe that? Unimaginable restrictions is what I talked about before. And yet we were on level four, squeezed. We were shut out of our own country, in our country. Then she put a big, big um, borders, like, like the old days of Germany, you only could go in and out with a special passes and then you could, around our city, and it was into the 60th, 60 something days. That should have been a revolt from at least that city, but this is what they were saying. Nobody move, nobody drop, no, not a squeak, in case Jacinda put some more days on us. So the last thing you would do is what? Somebody wander out and walk out to the middle and say, well, here I am today, and here's Jacinda and the restrictions and everything else that was going like that, it's all like that. <laughs> that means up your nose with a rubber hose, by the way. Or a piece of glass up your, anyway. I was like, I'm naughty. Lord, forgive me. But sometimes this, you can see I'm passionate about this. You've got 1.63 million people, the biggest economy in our country, the biggest city, the, more, the most families, and useless mayors, useless councillors, and, and a whole lot of people who are frozen in fear. And all they could say is, don't, don't even, you know, Annoy the monster. Don't even breathe on the monster. Don't even look at the monster in case they lock us down longer. That, uh, that's the whimpering cry of defeat. I'll put this straight out there today. And I'm not blaming those people though. I am talking to the opposition. 
politically, this was a political lockdown from a political party in an MMP environment, member of proportional membership, members, uh, politics where you're supposed to have many contributing parties so we'd never ever have absolute power in one party. But here we are. And yet the opposition is the biggest party. So Labour wasn't the biggest party. The opposition was the biggest party in existence. It was National, it was ACT, it was Māori Party, and it was the Greens. When we were going and suffering, mental and emotional illnesses were happening there. Right there, the casualties, the, the collateral damage now we're seeing was from what I'm talking about. This relates to the scripture God gave me, relates to the siege, the siege on the city and a nation that was now under the power and influence of a very evil demon. Now, look at this. Here were people. The opposition should have stood at that moment because they were the biggest political entity. Should have got together and said, this is not right. Any, any sane government but opposition, five parties to one was the biggest. They should have all stood up and shut parliament down. They should have shut it down for the sake of five million people who are going to suffer for 50 years later. They did nothing. National did nothing. Act did nothing. Māori Party did nothing. The Greens did nothing. Hundreds of thousands of people lost their jobs. Hundreds of thousands lost their businesses, collapsed. Hundreds of thousands of people delayed elective surgery. Some of them died because of the fear that came from this government. Millions of people were bewitched into believing that what Jacinda Ardern and Labour government and now National and ACT were also complicit because they said themselves they would have done the same thing, literally. So, in the middle of this I stood. I stood for our freedom and our rights. I stood because I could see the bully harming and hurting, then what happened was almost, almost damaged me beyond recovery. The next day there was a huge upcry from the public, particularly from Auckland. They turned on a single man. Because I was under the influence of Joshua, chapter 3, and verse 7. This day, I'll exalt you. Don't worry, your apostle wasn't arrogant. I knew I, was, I could lose a lot already, and I was already, in some ways, I was afraid, but in spite of my afraidness, I would still stand. I just thought God's word said he'll exalt me, so he got to look after me. And he's going to get me up there and I'm going to do it. The opposite happened. I think I set the record, another one again, not a good one, of the fastest petition 
And amongst Sissy Aucklanders, they, they literally, this is when I do not like democracy, direct democracy. Because if democracy happened that day, they would have hung me at Aotea Square Centre by the neck. Because Auckland was calling for my scalp. They got that petition so fast, there was something over 100,000 people and was going fast to arrest Brian Tamaki, see? Arrest him. I'm like, kind of like, what? The police weren't going to arrest me. We got through the, the, the day, and they were pretty reasonably happy, right? Until there was rumblings from up above in politics. They started to squeeze the commissioner, Andy Costa, that this guy, what he's doing is dangerous. He's come out in the middle of everybody. Everybody is afraid. We don't want protests, and yet he, is, he has come out and challenged us front up. So what happened was, I was waiting for the exaltation part. I didn't get the exaltation part. I got hate. The, the, the media turned on me. Everybody turned on me. Even my cousin bros turned on me. Everybody turned on me. You fool, what would you do that for? We're going to go now for 70 days. Brian Tamaki, that's going to be a super spreader. And every other accusation, there wasn't a single person that happened. See, all the lies they haven't been accountable for. Arrest me because I've caused problems and I was the cause of your lockdowns. I was the cause of getting a monster upset because I said to you, you're wrong and you're hurting people and that she might squeeze a few more weeks on our lockdowns. But by the end of the day, the next day, I had a summons and I was in big trouble. Not only was I in trouble with the threat of prison, coming, looming, I knew I was going to be in trouble going to courts because now they arrested, the arrest was coming for sure. Even a lawyer phoned my wife and said, is Brian arrested yet? We weren't even looking for lawyers, the lawyer was looking for me. Brian, he's a great lawyer, best in the country. Is Brian arrested yet? Everybody knew, Auckland too. The, the, I, I was thinking I need to pack my bags right now and I need to go to Australia, England, Italy, go back home to Italy. I mean, go, go to America, anywhere else, go to Stewart Island. Honestly, I bet you some of you guys are thinking, oh boy, poor, poor Brian, kind of like, you know, poor, poor guy. Yeah. I went to bed that night and I knew this was all contrary to scripture. I thought, what is this? So I decided in my mind I was going to give God a stripping down the next morning. I'm going to go and report to him and tell him what I think. Four o'clock in the morning, I went outside. And by the way, it was pretty cold too. At that time, it was a cold morning. It was supposed to be October. It was supposed to be good. I got out there and I said, God, what was that? You said you would exalt me. I'm going to let you into my closet. You said you would exalt me and exalt us. I got the opposite. I'm the most hated person. I had a petition about me. What are you doing? What's happening? You lied? I ranted and raved like that for about five, ten minutes. And finally when I was out of air, I was out, for, <laughs> I was out of me. Then this voice spoke so loud. And said, Brian, your ways are not my ways. 
and neither are my plans your plans, for my plans and my ways are far higher than yours. And I was like, stripped down again. <laughs> you against me too? <laughs> he said, no, get up and keep going. And I thought, is that all you've got to say to me? And it was silent, I know him. It was gone, it was clear as day. Clear as the day I got converted and out of body experience. This is the only other time I've had that closer is equivalent to that knowing God literally coming in my head and spoke. And I walked away to the door. And I got to the door and I said, you got me arrested, didn't you? You got me hated. There was no silence. My one angel might have been... went back inside and I knew, I knew then I would not see out the protest movement. I knew God was gonna take me through the judicial route. But I did not know what was to come, but I knew this was his plans. What was he doing? What was, what was the exalt stuff to magnify and make you great? God was gonna take me to court. He knew enough that I'd be, I would be, Bullish enough to not say I'm guilty. I've got no words about that. I've got a promise almost, like if I said I was guilty, I could have got out of it easy. But I, I'm not guilty. And that not guilty kept taking me into trouble. So people said I was breaking the law. I'm not breaking the law. I'm trying to stand up for the law and for justice and for what was right. So when I said... I am not guilty. <laughs> My lawyer, look at me. Like, we've had some fun, by the way. In early hours of the morning, I'd take some stuff to help me get out. You know, you say I'm the lawyer, Brian. You're the client. Okay, that's right. And I, uh, it's like, um, what is this? So you know, fast track as time's getting on. Look, you know what happened? I saw about five or six judges. <laughs> all together they must be having a reunion amongst themselves <laughs> were you did you have that Brian Tamaki the cheek of this guy he'd sit there he's not allowed to say anything but he I know his lawyer's instructed he's not guilty and he's and you're not to go out and protest and you're not to speak hello I go out and I go and speak and boom all these cops on there I'm I'm back in the dock you know, and then they, I got a severe warning from this rat-faced looking judge. He was getting mad at me, and even Ron was looking like, what is this? But I, you know, I got this thing, and I was making judges mad through the camera, you know, because it was all, and he said, you're, gonna, you're on the nice, Brian Tamaki, because I was making the law look like a joke. Our judicial system was a joke, and I was making them look bad. And the police were getting upset with me too because they thought, this guy just won't stop. But I had too many people following me, too many people who were willing to go if I was jailed again and bulldoze down the prisons with diggers and bulldozers. So they were very careful how they treated me. Thankfully, if I was by myself, I think they would have put me away for months and that. But I think there was too much support. Now, here's the thing I want to get, sorry, here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. I finally got to the point where I couldn't help it. God knew all this before, so I didn't need any direction anymore. He just knew I'd go this way. And I appeared in Christchurch 
And we said, is there any cops? They're saying, no, don't stand dead. And I was, up I stand and I speed. And I can't help it. This is what I've got to do. This is my bread and butter. This is my call. So I spoke to the Christchurch crowd. It was fantastic. They reckon they had some plainclothes cops who saw me and they had a drone. I don't know about that. They couldn't prove it when it was the time. But apparently that was the one that got me in prison. So I came back and this guy said, he was mad too because they must meet these judges and say, we better stick him in prison. So he says, this is it, you broke the ice. <laughs> he put me in prison. Then followed this, this sit-in. That was the first living sit-in, was the one at Mount Eden when I was in prison, when Hannah and all that. And when you were doing this, a whole nation, I've had over five or 6,000, five or 6,000 articles from that last year, October, to now. Thousands of articles about me. I've never asked anybody to write about me. I've never asked any media actually hate me. We have a great relationship. It's very abusive. <laughs> they, they use me for clickbait, and they say, I use them. I've used them <laughs> quite a lot. So I'm very thankful to the media. So, so you imagine that many articles. So I suddenly clicked without knowing what he, his plans are bigger than mine. He was on a mission to change the perceptions of a whole lot of New Zealanders that used to have the wrong narrative about Hannah and I and Destiny Church before. Oh, no, it's, that's where you should have had a whole heap of claps right there because that's a big one. He, he was masterminding. He was masterminding our acceptability and also he was, he was magnifying in a way where people started saying, you know what, I didn't like that guy, but he stood for us. And I thought, how do you change a hard-out hater who's got misinformation from the government, from media, how do you turn, I would have never turned them around leading the protest. I probably would have got up people's, more of people's noses than ever. But he took me the judicial way, which showed people that Hannah and I were really a people of heart. I mean, you don't go to jail if you're a pretender and if you're just doing this because you're doing it for you. Far from it, I'm, I'm thinking too, is like them. What am I doing here? But I could see God's way. He had a far superior way. Now, we go anywhere and there are people coming up saying, thank you so very much. You stood for us when nobody else did. And this is from strangers and it's happening everywhere. And they're saying, well, I don't know about Destiny Church, but you guys, you guys did it. So, <laughs> yeah, let's give a good clap and a hand for me. That's not where I was meant to go, but... We're finished, but I wanted you to, I wanted so much for you. There's so much more in that story. I can tell you even about the um, by-election in Tauranga. That was a leading of God to go there and to unify the parties. So when people say to me, do you think, Brian, you and leading your church into a political direction is of God? And I answer and say, well, I can't say no now because he got me into it. Is it going this far? Well, it, 
pretty much looks like it. So anybody that's listening to me out there right now, I've been open about the fact is that what I have done and what you've enjoyed is giving the big protest movement and I think that it has allowed this to go right to the, the bigger ones and onwards to a whole community of people being enlightened about what's really going on. So I guess in some way, everybody has been in some way touched by my God. We'd never have had the protest movements like this, at least. We'd never had a whole lot of things. We'd never had this, what's coming up in our conference that will launch fully something that I believe is absolutely transformational. But that'll come and you'll see. So this thing was local. Now it's gone national. It has always had touches of national, but now it's fully national. This is a national. And I would say ending this that when Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, was invited to speak at the United Nations recently, in a UN speech, she actually openly referred to censoring or shutting down all free speech. This, what I'm doing. But really the spirit in her was actually recruiting international leaders from all countries and she, by doing that, started a global war. This thing has gone global and it's global warfare now. And oh, if I could do part two, but I'm, I'll... The global warfare started. She actually made this global by her speech. And she's turning leaders on us. The ones who will eventually liberate the countries of the world. This is the prelude to end times. All right. God bless you. Let's stand to our feet. <laughs> end times, it's lunchtime, okay? Let's stand to our feet, everybody. Let's give the Lord a great ha uh, hand offering right now. Don't you worry, He's got it all. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Today, we're up to date and we're even in the future. We pray right now for every person here and online. We are a part of a great plan. Please join us in this move because we are such an integral part of what God is doing in our nation and the world. It's global. So, <laughs> Father, I thank you for the people of God here today and all over this country and the world. I pray now as we rise up into our positions as the liberators, the sons of God, the earth is in pain. Creation is in childbirth. I know that the creation has been taken hostage by evil spirits. And now they're beginning to mess with the stuff that only we can liberate. I'm looking forward to tackling all of the things that they're doing to redeem creation, the environment, the climate. Really, it's all under this mess because of evil spirits, but it shall be the sons of God who appear. And that's the birthing pangs, the birthing pangs of creation 
is actually bringing to birth the firstborn of the image of that firstborn son. You know, in the book of Acts, it says, Today I have begotten you. Chapter 13. Today I have begotten you. That was, he was, God was saying that to Jesus after his resurrection. So that was a different today I've begotten you than the one that was the only begotten son. He was saying that this is a new son. The only begotten son's gone and it's now the new son, the human God with a many offspring. All right, okay, you got enough. Is it good? It's a great day. So God bless you all and um, have a great day. We'll see you when we're looking at you. Thank you so very much.